What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Monday edition of PFTPM, March 22nd. I can't believe the calendar says March 22nd. Some sort of equinox, isn't it? I don't know. Is it? Is there an equinox in early March? Is that the spring? Is it the vernal? Does that make sense? Am I wrong? Do I you know? We had some e- I thought we had spring la- like Saturday was the official start of spring. Am I wrong? Let me find out what an equinox know. is. An you know what? We'll find out during a break. Yeah, we don't know anything about equinox. We barely know anything about football, but we know enough to bluff our <laughs> way through an hour of talking about football, which is what we're going to do for the course of the next actually 59 minutes. We've already filibustered our way through one minute of PFTPM. Shireen, it is definitely spring here in West Virginia. Nice temperatures in the day. gets cold at night. I assume that it is already hot box conditions in Texas. Actually, it's been pretty nice, Mike. Little rain showers, but I got around to golf in early this morning and got that done and before it started raining. So, yeah, it's turned nice. Spring has sprung here in in Dallas-Fort Worth, and it's very nice. An equinox is the instant of time when the plane of the Earth's equator passes through the geometric center of the sun's disk. They occur twice each year, around March 20 and September 23. So it was some sort of an equinox that happened over the weekend. Blind squirrel feasting on acorn. Um, All right, we got plenty of things to get to, but as we have been doing on numerous occasions in recent days because of something we didn't know anything about six days ago that has nevertheless become the biggest story in the NFL, the Deshaun Watson saga. We now have 13 lawsuits that have been filed against the Texans quarterback for allegations of misconduct occurring during massages. 13, with nine at least more under consideration based upon what attorney Tony Busby had to say at a press conference on Friday. Now, I've been candid about my concerns regarding the way that Busby is handling himself. That's my opinion. Doesn't change the fact that these individuals may have claims that have merit and ultimately any of them, some of them, all of them, Shireen, may be able to prove in a court of law, either in civil court or criminal court, that there was misconduct on the part of Deshaun Watson, regardless of anything that Tony Busby has said or done. And Sims and I were talking about this today. With each passing allegation, it becomes harder and harder to come to the conclusion that this is all one big misunderstanding or fabrication or embellishment with that many people involved. The more people involved, the harder it is to maintain a conspiracy like this and make it something where everyone is lying about Deshaun Watson. So he has rights. They have rights. It all goes forward. And with each additional case, it gets more complicated, Shireen. And it has to be more concerning for the folks at the league office. Well, and you know what else makes it harder, Mike, with each passing case is to make them go away, right? Because you're not just talking about one agreement or two agreements. Now we're talking 13 agreements with possibly more to come. I've had trouble the last two weeks keeping up with two things. 
One is the number of, of free agents and trades that the Texans have made since free agency began. And the other is these cases against Deshaun Watson. Literally, you can't keep up before another one is filed. We were at 12 just, what, a couple hours ago. I look up and a 13th had been filed. So they just keep coming. My question is this, Mike. I've been around a lot of NFL players. I've talked to a lot of NFL players. They all get massages, and most of them get daily massages. This is not unusual, okay? This usually happens. But I've never heard, I've never had a player tell me that they have more than one masseuse. They use one masseuse all the time. It's a regular, and it's a regular part of the routine at the same time, off-season, in-season, whatever. They, they do it at the same time with the same person in the same place, and many times it's male, a male masseuse. And I had not even considered that until these cases started coming. So I guess my big question would be, why so many? And I know that I read where it possibly because of COVID was using insulin. That doesn't even make any sense to me. To me, you have one masseuse who's going to be with you at all times, Mike, if you're an NFL player and can afford to do this. Yeah, especially if there's some sort of an excuse premised on the pandemic, that would be all the more reason to not have a revolving door of massage therapists. And, and that, was based on a report that emerged from TMZ over the weekend. I don't know who leaked that. I don't know if this was part of the broader PR strategy for Deshaun Watson to get TMZ on his side by giving them some sort of a nugget, but that didn't move the needle in his direction. The reaction that I saw to that was, so what? And it's kind of nonsensical that the pandemic is being cited as an excuse for having a different massage therapist apparently every single day. And and if, if, look, what, I said this today, regardless of my concerns about Tony Busby and some disingenuous comments he's made about not knowing Hal or Cal or whatever his name is. That was his comment from Friday about not knowing Cal McNair, which we both agree, Shireen, was a little ludicrous to it not being about the money when it's clearly about the money. The whole system is premised on the money. Um, Regardless of any of that, he's winning in the court of public opinion because he's unchallenged at some point. You have to have something more than the tweet that Deshaun Watson posted last Tuesday night that for most people made them aware of the problem in the first place. There has to be something more than that. If you have something that is a persuasive and compelling defense and the longer the time goes by, it doesn't matter what happens in court with any of these cases. You've got it locked in to the minds of the people out there who are hearing these things that this guy is at fault. Nothing prevents the average person from coming to their own conclusion as to whether or not they think he's at fault. They're never going to be privy to all the facts of what happened. They're going to make their own conclusion. And the average person who's been paying attention to this and is hearing this is far more likely to conclude he's in the wrong than he's in the right because his side's done nothing to shine a light on whatever his explanation would be other than this this report from over the weekend from TMZ. So Rusty Harden better get his butt to work if he wants to try to turn this around in the court of public opinion, Shireen. Yeah, Mike, I think he's already lost the PR battle. This has gone far too long before his side has said anything, and we're still missing that. And with these cases building at some point, the NFL, right, they care about PR. This looks worse and worse and worse by the day. And at some point, the NFL is going to step in and say, all right, we're putting you on the commissioner's exempt list or whatever they're going to do. I realize it's the offseason, 
But from a PR standpoint, the NFL's losing in this battle. The Houston Texans are losing in this battle. And Deshaun Watson certainly is losing in this battle. Look, Rusty Harden is fantastic. He's had Adrian Peterson. Uh, he's had Roger Clement. Uh, he's had a ton uh, of guys. Well, he's had a ton of guys that he's, that he's right. gotten out of bad situations. Mm. He got Roger Clemens into a bad situation. I don't want to relitigate something from more than 10 years ago, but the defamation lawsuit that Roger Clemens filed against his former trainer created a bad kind of jackpot for Roger Clemens. Other than that, I have no concerns about Rusty Harden, but, but his record is not unblemished in high-profile cases. Let me just interject that. Okay. Most cases, he's handled a lot of these cases. Let's put it that way, Mike. He's handled a lot of these cases. He he is familiar with the situation that Deshaun Watson is in at this point, and he knows how to get him out of that, but I don't know what their side is doing at this point. I don't know when Deshaun Watson hired him, how this has gone since then, but it's just getting worse by the day for Deshaun Watson. And Shereen, at some point, you got to write the check to some sort of a PR firm, yeah. some sort of a crisis management firm. And this is where the Texans become relevant, not for what they may have done that would amount to collusion with Tony Busby. And I explained today the collusion could be as simple as Tony Busby giving them a heads up and making sure they're OK with him proceeding with these matters. And the Texans saying, sure, go for it. He's been a pain in our butt. We don't care. We're not going to help him. Beyond what they did or didn't do in any communications they may have had with Busby, the question is, what are they doing to work directly with Deshaun Watson? And is he accepting any of that? Now, their PR function, I don't even know who's in charge given the termination of Amy Palchik during the season, but there is there is no discernible PR effort on Deshaun Watson's behalf. And I don't know that that's Rusty Harden's bailiwick anyway. He's a lawyer. Now, there's a certain amount of PR that every lawyer does, but at a certain point, you need a skilled professional who can handle something like this and come up with a strategy aimed at pushing back against the stuff that Tony Busby has done to make the average person who's been paying attention to this likely to think something bad is going on here. That's a problem. And with each passing minute, it's getting worse, not better for Deshaun Watson. And and I don't know whether or not, Shereen, they think they've got some silver bullet that's going to turn this thing around. But with 13 cases filed, it, it's, it, it would have to be one gigantic silver bullet to turn this thing around. Yeah, it'd have to be a video or something, right? Maybe they need to contact Tony Busby about PR, Mike, because he, he, he's won this court of appeals right here with, in public court. Because he's been terrific at the at the PR. And like you said, we can argue about the way he's handled this, but he's come out and he's talked and he's tweeted and he's done all those things so that the public is seeing his side and his client's side, not the other side. And if they have something, they need to come out and say what they have and how they think this thing will go away. He didn't do it. Whatever, whatever it is that they have, that silver bullet, they need to do it and do it soon, Mike. Here's the other thing that strikes me as odd from the perspective of someone who practiced law. And whenever there is a, a, a company or an individual who allegedly has engaged in misconduct and wrongdoing, the other lawyers in the community don't stand down and let one lawyer handle all the cases. They start to get involved. They start to investigate claims. They start to solicit claims in ways that are permissible under the rules of attorney professional conduct or or that aren't permissible, as the case may be. 
That's one thing that is odd to me here, Shireen. The legal profession, the civil law practice is for profit, and it's premised on finding good cases against people who have money and representing those individuals because there's three legs on the stool, as they explained it to me in law school, liability, damages, and someone who can pay. And if you're missing one of the three, you're wasting your time. When you have someone who has resources, when you have someone who has engaged in apparent misconduct, when you have someone whose misconduct would be sufficiently shocking if proven to result in a significant award for mental anguish and other related damages, there should be more attorneys than Tony Busby swarming around this case. That's what is kind of strange to me. With each additional case, why is it only him? There are surely other attorneys in Houston who represent individuals in cases like this. Where are they? Because it is highly competitive, highly competitive. And and as I said on Friday when I was expressing my opinions about Tony Busby's handling of this, at some point it is in the best interest of one or more of the individuals to have someone else handling these cases because Busby becomes too much the centerpiece, the focus of the litigation. But you know what, Shereen, at this point with 13 and counting, I don't even think it matters anymore. The, the raw numbers are at the point where that is the story. There are too many for the average person of reasonable mind to look at this and not say something stinks here. And the chances of the thing stinking being on the plaintiff's side of the ledger are getting smaller and smaller all the time. Mike, you've been on both sides of this. You've, you've obviously been in law and you obviously know PR really, really well. If you're Rusty Harden, how do you advise your client at this point? What do you tell him to say or what do you come out and say? I tell him you should have settled the first case when you had the chance. That's what I tell him because that's what should have happened. See, you need to be sure you've got somebody who will take the advice you give. And one of my concerns is that perhaps Deshaun Watson has been getting advice that he's been refusing to take. I wouldn't work with a client. I don't care how much they're paying me by the hour. I wouldn't work with a client who doesn't listen to me. My life's hard enough without my clients who aren't listening to me. At this point, though, I, I would I, I would want to get in a room with Deshaun Watson. I possibly would want to do a lie detector test. I'd want to know for myself, is he guilty of this or not? And if he's guilty, it goes one way. If he's not, it goes another way. And even though polygraph machines aren't admissible in a court of law, they get used all the time for all sorts of other things. And before I would spend my time and put my reputation, tie my reputation to a potential predator, I want to know damn well that the person that I'm representing is innocent. So I would consider having him submit to a polygraph. If he doesn't do it, we find another lawyer. If he submits and he passes, then we're going to come up with a strategy that is premised on trying to prove that each and every one of these cases is incorrect, is mistaken, is whatever uh, would be consistent with him passing a polygraph test. That's how bad it is at this point. That's what I would personally do. And what that means is I probably would end up not taking the case because Deshaun Watson would justifiably be indignant at my request. But I need to know that I can believe the person who's accused of so many instances of misconduct before I can go forward representing his or her interest to the best of my ability. So I think that's what I would do. You know, we started off this whole thing, this whole offseason with Deshaun Watson wants to be traded. He has a no trade clause. He'll get to dictate where he goes. 
we're, that's out the window too now, Mike. If he gets traded, I don't know that he's going to have a say in this. You know, if, if if it eventually happens, and I I think personally, it's it's going to be paused for now because an NFL team wanting to trade for Deshaun Watson is going to want to know what is the NFL going to do? Is he guilty of these? There are a lot of questions in this that you want answered before you com- commit. Uh, to what you're going to have to commit to get to Sean Watson. Now you can try to get a low ball offer, but if you're the Texans, you're not accepting that at this point. You're waiting this out to see what happens long-term to go get him. But there may only be, in the end, I know what we read over, that there's still five teams that have interest in Deshaun Watson, whatever, um, or six. But, I, you know, I just think his options may be limited at this point. It may be one or two teams. And me, he may have to accept that, Mike, if he eventually wants to be traded. And I do think the Texans want to trade him now. It's Now it's just a question of when is that going to happen? How is this thing going to play out? Shereen, I think the analysis for the Texans at some point will be we can't trade him. Do we run the risk of keeping him on the roster and having him land on the commissioner exempt list for all of the 2021 season and in turn having to pay his full 10 plus million dollar salary? The great irony of all this in less than three months, it may have shifted from Watson wanting nothing to do with the Texans to the Texans wanting nothing to do with him. Because if he shows up and if he's put on the commissioner exempt list and that's the device that's available, wide discretion for the commissioner, PR driven. If the kitchen gets too hot, we got to get the player out of it. We got to get the player off the field. We can't have the player in our games being the subject of the perfunctory mention that he's facing 13 sexual assault lawsuits. And who knows what the number would be by the time September rolls around. So the Texans analysis soon may be. Do we cut this guy to avoid having to pay him $10 million if he's on the commissioner exempt list for all of the 2021 season? That's a judgment call that somebody in, te- in Texas is going to have to make. And uh, th- that, that, I think, is coming. That, that question is coming. It's going to be relevant for the Texans sooner rather than later. And I don't think anybody's going to trade for him for now because you'd have to, you'd have to frankly, if I'm, if I'm going to trade for him, I, I want the polygraph. I, I don't, I, you know, it's probably not legal. It's probably, I, I remember, I remember, I think Mike Shanahan d- d- used a polygraph allegedly at one point and I researched it under the CBA and it wasn't permissible. But I think that's the only way I'd be comfortable doing business with Deshaun Watson at this point. The only way that I would know is if I know he can pass a polygraph and tell me that he didn't do these things that he's accused of. Otherwise, he's radioactive as far as I'm concerned at this point. Uh, there's just, the, the cloud is too thick right now over Deshaun Watson. All right, let's pivot to Aaron Rodgers. There was a cloud that he created immediately after the NFC Championship game regarding his future in Green Bay. And I was told at the time that this was all about Rodgers wanting a new contract. Not that he necessarily wants more money, Shereen, but that he wants the kind of contract that will bind the Packers to him and him to the Packers for the next two or three years. The way it is now at this stage of the deal it's a year-to-year Packers option. They can walk away at any time. He won the MVP last year. They're bringing him back this year. If he has a bad year this year, they can shift to Jordan Love next year. I think he wants the security that would come along with a new contract. Mike Silver of NFL Network, the Cal Connection helps from time to time, reports that Aaron Rodgers, obviously something he got straight from Rodgers himself, is talking to the Packers about a renegotiation of the contract to free up cap space. Now, 
If it's a simple restructuring, you don't need to have a negotiation. You take whatever he's due to make this year. You reduce his compensation to $1 million and change. The rest of it gets converted to a signing bonus and spread out over multiple years. Maybe throw a voidable year or two on the back end. Easy to do. If there's a negotiation, that means there's something more substantial than that. And if I'm Rodgers, I may want more money. I may want, I definitely want, I know I want a guarantee, a guaranteed salary this year and next year. Minimum. I want to know that I'm here the next two years. I don't want to be thinking about this Jordan Love nonsense every day, every practice, every game that that I wondering if this is my last season as the starter and am I gonna am I gonna have to find another team next year? That's what I think he deserves for being the MVP, and I think that's what he reasonably should want, Shereen. Well, Mike, the Packers have signed no free agents from outside the organization, right? So who knows if Aaron Rodgers doesn't say to himself, you know, they've done nothing to listen to me to make this team better. It's kind of the same thing that Brett Favre went through before he left. Maybe I don't want to be here after this year. Maybe I want to go somewhere else that's going to give me more say in personnel and do more to help me build this roster. But I think if we get a renegotiation here or an extension or whatever is going to happen with the contract, I think that's going to tell us a lot about Aaron Rodgers' future, how long he's going to be in Green Bay, what the Packers think of him and what he thinks of, of Green Bay, Mike. But I could very well see Aaron Rodgers saying, you know what, this is is not a situation where I can win a Super Bowl. I'm going to go. I'm going to try to go somewhere else after the, this year and, and win me a Super Bowl. We really have forgotten about Aaron Rodgers with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson and all the other turmoil and questions that emerged from the fact that Tom Brady was able to go to a new team and win a Super Bowl in his first try. But these are fair concerns, and Rodgers. He's not going to like this, but it's not like he's watching anyway. If you are, hello, Aaron. Welcome in. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we actually we actually want what's best for you, even though you may disagree with that. But what what he wants is to never be the villain. He witnessed what happened in Green Bay when Brett Favre, who the Packers no longer wanted. The Packers didn't want him anymore. And even then, he was the villain by forcing his way out and ultimately landing with the Vikings. So I think Aaron Rodgers likes to be able to send messages likes to be able to be a little passive aggressive, likes to be able to say, I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying anything to agitate or politic or do anything other than show up and play. And he's very, very sensitive, I believe, to the perception that he's in some way the bad guy. So it's not easy to work this out when you're unwilling to take the risk of being perceived as the bad guy. Russell Wilson, willing to be perceived as the bad guy. Deshaun Watson, before the stuff of the last week, willing to be perceived as the bad guy, now is perceived as the bad guy, whether he is willing to or not. Rodgers, I think, has been obsessed with trying to thread this needle where he gets what he wants, he sends the messages he wants to send, and there's never any fingerprints from him that that could reasonably be detected, suggesting that he's being unreasonable, selfish, greedy, anything like that. And I say all that fully supportive of the idea that he should get more, that he should be upset. Every Packers fan should be upset about the Jordan Love draft pick. Every Packers fan should be upset that they packaged a four and a one to move up a few spots to get Jordan Love. They all should be upset. What those guys could have done to help that team get to the Super Bowl and win it this year, we'll never know because they didn't do it. 
So, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers should be upset. And this final contract will have plenty of clues as to how his attitude may or may not have influenced the team to, to configure his deal in a way that makes him happier. And I've said all along, Mike, if he didn't have the MVP season that he had, I think there was a really good chance that the Packers were ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers after last season. So now this offseason, I think they probably would have traded him somewhere else, but he came out and had the MVP season. He's still playing at an MVP level. So at this point, you can't let him go. He He's the best quarterback in the NFL. He was last season. He won the MVP award. So you stick with Aaron Rodgers another year, but both sides seemingly to me want that out after next year. But as you said, we're going to find out how this negotiation goes down and what happens. I think it'll give us a clue as to what the future of Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay. All right. Uh, we'll see how that all plays out. What else do we have going on here? I lost my spot. Oh, the NFL has announced plans for the draft in Cleveland coming up in April. They plan a large live in-person event. There was a conference call today. Shereen, I think you were on it. I know I wasn't. But uh, this is amazing to me. We're still in the throes of a pandemic. We're hearing all the time about the situation in Miami. Too many people at spring break, even as folks are getting vaccinated. And, and there are indications that things may be getting better. There are plenty of indications that folks aren't taking it seriously. I'm surprised the NFL would be comfortable even though it's still six weeks away with having a bunch of people outside. And I know they, they feel very good about outdoors transmissions, that it just doesn't happen the way that it does indoors. But even then, I'm surprised they're being this aggressive with it. I never would have thought that after last year, in only one year, we'd be back at the point where we'd have these large gatherings outside for the NFL. Bodes well for full stadiums this year if they can pull off a large outdoor crowd for the draft. Well, three things about this, Mike. One is all the venues will be outside except the day of the draft, and the people who get inside are have to be fully vaccinated. That's just a requirement. You can't get in if you're not fully vaccinated. So I really like that. If you're outdoors, you have to be fully masked. We know that doesn't always work, and, and they think that there's no transmission outside, whatever. But I do like the fact that the people going inside, the fans have to be fully vaccinated, sort of like what we saw at the Super Bowl all those health care workers got to go to that. And the other thing, Mike, is not there's not going to be that many prospects there. There's only going to be a handful of prospects. The others are doing it from their homes or wherever, and it'll be like it was last year. They'll be on camera, so there's only a hand. They didn't say how many, so I don't know how many picks are actually going to be in Cleveland there. Commissioner Roger Goodell certainly will. But they, they cast it as... Hey, we're opening this up. It's going to be huge. This is going to be nothing like 2019, which was the last fully open draft we had in Tennessee when there were over 600,000 people there uh, on those three days of the draft. This is going to be nothing like that. So this does bode well, Mike, I think, for full stadiums in the fall. The fact that, that there's only going to be a handful of draft picks there, and I don't want to get on my soapbox yet, but you know I'm a firm believer that these guys should get paid appearance fees to be there. Yeah. And the fewer that there are, the more valuable those spots are. And if I'm one of the top guys, I, I see the problem is they're also brainwashed into thinking this is an honor of a lifetime. And how, how dare we ask for money for this? You're, 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 you're a prop. You're a prop in the ultimate reality show about nothing. You should want to be compensated. The contract that you're getting 
isn't nearly enough. That's for future services. That's not for showing up in Cleveland in a confined space on the night of the draft. But uh, that's a losing argument because these guys, you know, that age, that mindset, they want to be there. And I don't blame them. I'd have felt the same way. But uh, it's just, I, I just shut up about it. The NFL should should offer them something more than travel expenses and hotel expenses and a meal here or there. They should be cutting these guys a check because they're providing a real service and they're making a, a special night more special by being there. All right, let's take a break. When we return, nearly a week into free agency, some winners and losers. We'll do that when PFTPM continues right after this. Dietz & Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The best part about, you know, winning the Super Bowl and the celebration is definitely the parade, uh, hands down, you know, and, and the after the game, too, like the after party, celebrating with all your teammates and just the emotions going on right there. Those are hands down, you know, the two best things, which, you know, they've been everywhere um, already uh, for sure. And uh, back in the day, I mean, when I was young, 20s, I would extend that celebration probably for like a month or two. I won't even know what's going on in the world. Uh, but, you know, you live and learn. I'm in my 30s now. So, like, that was enough for me. You know, the bull parade, the, the party after the Super Bowl, uh, those those were fantastic. I mean, that was everywhere. You guys saw everything go down. You can't really beat that party. You got to love Rob Gronkowski. There is no way he knows what's going on in the world, even when he's not spending a month celebrating a Super Bowl championship. He at least has an excuse when he spends a month celebrating a Super Bowl championship to not know what's going on in the world. And I say that from experience. I mean, now, by the time I reached my 30s, I knew what was going on in the world. But 21, 22, 23, 24, I didn't care. I didn't care. And I wouldn't expect Gronk to care, especially if he's living the life of a professional athlete. So I'm, I'm throwing the challenge flag on the idea that he ever knows, Shireen, what's going on in the world. <laughs> 
Yeah, he had a quote in there too, Mike. He said when he was younger after Super Bowls, he the party would last a month or two, and now the parade is enough. So I guess he has matured at least a little bit, although we don't see it necessarily very often. He's definitely happy to be back in Tampa Bay, and uh, he said his body feels great. He could start another full season right now. So he's learned how to manage things, and uh, the Buccaneers wanted him around, and they got him back. He said he talked to a few other teams, but he quickly re-signed with Tampa Bay as of last Monday. All right. We are a week or five days in, depending upon how you consider when it starts. It starts on Monday at noon, and so we are more than a week in. Winners and losers so far in free agency, Shereen. Give me one that stands out for you and why as a winner. Well, I'm going to start right there, Mike. I mean, why wouldn't you want to go to Tampa if you had the choice to go play with Tom Brady, go play with Gronk? I mean, You see that video, you're like, I'm all in. I want to go there. And I've lived in Tampa, covered the Buccaneers for six years. It's a great place to live. And, hey, by the way, no state income tax. But I think the Bucs had a terrific offseason, probably the best offseason of any team because they were able to keep their guys intact. They got a chance to run it back again next year with the team they have. Chris Godwin with the tag. They re-signed Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Gronkowski, Ryan Suckup. They still could get Leonard Fournette and A.B. back if they want to do that. I saw A.B. over the weekend said, hey, you know, don't give up on us. We may go back there, too. So it's going to be fun to see what these Bucs can do next year. They're going to have all the pieces in place or most of the pieces in place that they had this year. I never in a million years thought they'd be able to do that, Mike. I thought they would either lose Chris Godwin or Shaq Barrett for sure. I think in any other year, they wouldn't have been able to do it. This year, you didn't see a lot of spending just for the sake of spending. Business decisions manifesting themselves in football moves. This year, it feels like all of the moves have been football-related, not, hey, we want to hold up someone's jersey and sell tickets. Although in Jacksonville, I kind of think they've done some of that. For the most part, it hasn't happened, and that's what kept a team from offering Shaq Barrett more money than the Buccaneers could or would pay. $17 million per year, base value on that deal, $10 million per year. $10 million less than the top of the market, what the Chargers paid to Joey Bosa last year. So they benefited from this weird, strange, unusual year that the NFL is experiencing. And my first winner a team with clear connections to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at least as it relates to guys like Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, the New England Patriots. They've benefited from this crazy year by deliberately holding back cap space. $69 million is what they had. And as Robert Kraft told Peter King for Football Morning in America, they decided this is what they were going to do. And I love this quote. We always made fun of the teams that spent a lot in the offseason. So uh, we know that nothing is guaranteed, and I'm very cognizant of that. So they made fun of teams who do what they're doing now. They're doing it now strategically. They're doing it because it's the right way to go. And, you know, the issue they have with drafting and developing players, you don't need to worry about it if you get guys who are already developed and guys that you believe in and guys who can come in and hit the ground sprinting. And that's what they're doing. It's, It's one hell of an experiment. It's either going to be exactly what the Patriots need or it's going to be a glorious disaster. Either way, it's a hell of a story. And 20 years of excellence in New England leads me to bet on the side of it working and them knowing exactly what they're doing and signing these guys, Shereen. You know what it all goes back to, Mike, though, is 
how good or bad at this point Cam Newton plays because he is their starting quarterback. Maybe they still go find another starting quarterback, but as of right now, it's Cam Newton. And to me, it's still all on his shoulders. I think they have a better team, but it's still all on his shoulders. Of all the Patriots signings and or trades, they've done a ton of them. Who do you think is the best move that, that they made? Well, I mean, I like the tight end acquisitions, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, yeah, because that's what's been so glaring for them. And it feels like they've been struggling to get back to that point, especially as, as uh, you know, is clear with what they like to do. Multiple formations, pedal to the metal, go to a no-huddle offense when you can catch the defense in unfavorable matchups by moving these guys around who can do a lot of different things. And that's what really creates the the potential for mismatches and can allow Cam Newton to grow in that offense if he ends up being the starter. But this team is better now. And they were 7-9 and nine with a roster that was overmatched. Still 7-9. and nine. People think they were 3-13. and 13. They were 7-9. and nine. They're in position to make things happen. The AFC East is going to be very competitive this year, and the Patriots are a team that you can never completely overlook because of Bill Belichick and company with these better players that they're going to plug right in. They're going to be ready when Tom Brady and company come to town this year when the Buccaneers face the Patriots in one of the biggest games of the season. And that game got even bigger with what the Patriots did last week. All right, give me another winner. I'm going to go with Washington, Mike. And, you know, I think they didn't see the quarterback market develop like they wanted. They didn't see that when they couldn't get in on Matthew Stafford. They said, all right, we're not getting our quarterback this year unless it's in the draft and he can sit. So we're going to go sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to be our bridge quarterback. We also have Kyle Allen, who we really like, Taylor Heineke, who we really like. So I think they like their quarterback situation in that now they can go in the offseason or if they like one of the guys, if somebody falls to them in this draft, they can draft and, and groom him to be their future quarterback. But, you know, they Brandon Sharif, they they tagged him. They re-signed Duskin Hopkins, and they got uh, William Jackson and Curtis Samuel. I thought Curtis Samuel was one of the best receivers out there for what he can do because he can do so many different things for you. So I like what Washington did. To me, they're still the, at the top of the NFC East right now. I would put them right there at the top of the NFC East. And we know the division's not very good, and that's not saying a lot. But I still would cast them as the favorite right now, Mike. Yeah, I agree with you, and they just seem to be systematically and gradually getting better and getting the kind of players they want, and we'll see where it goes as this season approaches. Will it be Ryan Fitzpatrick? Will they will they stumble into somebody with their first-round pick that they decide becomes the, the Tua Tonga-Vailoa to Fitzpatrick's veteran potential backup relief pitcher as the season approaches? For me, Dak Prescott was a big winner, and I don't think he had any idea yeah. what was coming. You know, in hindsight... I, just, I can't help but wonder if the Cowboys hadn't franchise tagged Dak Prescott and and had allowed him to become a free agent. Do you really think someone else would have offered him four years, $160 million, sight unseen, with that ankle that only the Cowboys know at this point is in sufficiently good condition? It's a hell of a lot of money to commit. And I don't think that if... Yeah, all the praise of Jerry Shireen for oh he oh he paid all that money because he 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 alone knew that these TV contracts are coming. Bull crap! Everybody knew the TV contracts were coming. What really would have impressed me is if someone in Dallas would have said, you know what, the the free agency market this year is going to suck, and no one's going to offer him what he wants. Let's just let him become a free agent. Let's let's call his bluff. Let's see if he would go 
take less than what we're offering right now from some other team like the Jaguars. Let's go ahead. If he wants to do it, go ahead. We'll find another quarterback. I, I, I think Shireen, if they had done, I hadn't really thought of that until just now. And it's easy for me to say, cause I'm not the one who would potentially be losing my franchise quarterback. But I, I think if they'd have let him become a free agent, they probably would have got him for less than what they paid him. Well, and I said that at the time, Mike, I'm not going to be surprised if they don't franchise and let him do that. Because if you're another team, are you going to be all in and give him all that money without knowing where that ankle is? You're not going to know about that ankle until the end of April, early May. So it's not like you can go give the guy a physical and say, hey, run for us. Let's see how you do. You're not going to know. So to commit that type of money to Dak Prescott at that time, if you're another team, to me, would have been a huge gamble. Now, I think somebody would have tried. I do think there would have been a team out there that would have gambled, say, a Washington. They actually offered Amari Cooper last year more money than the Cowboys did, and Amari went back to the Cowboys. He didn't have the injury problem that Dak Prescott now has, and he was healthy at the time. But I do think there would have been a team that would have rolled the dice. Would they have given him that much? I don't know. That that that's, that's the, the question, question that we'll never be able to. Yeah, we'll never know the answer to that question. But I, it very well could have happened where he wouldn't have gotten that much money. All right, give me a loser. I think I'm going to start with the Texans, and this is clearly a rebuild, even though they've said that it's not a rebuild. But you start looking at all the acquisitions again. I've lost count. I know it's over 30, but I don't know exactly what it is. If it's 31, 32, or 35, but somewhere in the low 30s of the players they've acquired. You can't build a team like that. And a lot of these guys are one year and out the door. This is a total rebuild for this team. Who knows who their quarterback's going to be right now? It looks like it's Tyrod Taylor, right, with Ryan Finley as his backup, two more acquisitions. But it's going to be tough because they're going to have no on-field, we think, no on-field participation in in the offseason again. So I don't know how you get take 30 players of your 53 or whatever it's going to work out to be and expect them to be good this year, Mike. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with that, and they continue to be in a tough, tough situation. The Chiefs are a team that I'm going to put in the loser category just because uh, of really two, no, three things. One, they wanted Trent Williams. Patrick Mahomes got directly involved in recruiting Trent Williams. Trent Williams chose to stay with the 49ers. Two, they wanted Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, they got involved late in a tug-of-war between the Steelers and the Ravens, but these are the Chiefs. These are the Chiefs. This is Patrick Mahomes. Juju, how do you not want to go play with Patrick Mahomes? Juju said no. Oh, for two. And then most recently, Josh Reynolds. Who? Josh Reynolds. The Chiefs tried to get Josh Reynolds, and he went to the Titans. Oh, for three with guys that they wanted. Now, I know they got Joe Tooney, and they paid him a lot of money. But to have these other players, this idea that the Chiefs are this destination team, this super team that everyone's going to want to play for, and I want to go play for Patrick Mahomes, I think this shines off that, Shireen, pretty loudly and pretty clearly. Yeah, it's a great point, Mike. And and then it looks like they could lose Sammy Watkins, too. He's going to take a couple visits here. So it doesn't sound like that he's a guy they wanted to, to keep. They wanted another receiver to bring in here that they thought was an upgrade, and that hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what happens with these Chiefs. But I think clearly the Buccaneers, with what they've been able to do this offseason, have been a winner over what the Chiefs have been able to do. All right, give me one more loser real quick. 
I'm going to go with the receivers, Mike, and I just think these guys expected a bigger market than, than what they got. You wrote about Kenny Galladay today, and it looked like the Gi- Giants probably bid against themselves, and he got a good deal. But you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, signed a one-year deal, Will Fuller, one-year deal. I know these guys expected a lot more money on the market than what they got. There's a lot of guys still out there, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, A.B. still out there, a lot of receivers still looking for deals, Mike. Yeah, and the last one for me, running backs. Running backs not getting paid. We, we, we're not surprised that running backs don't get paid a ton of money, but this year it's Aaron Jones and then yeah, Kenyon Drake, right? But, but, but Aaron Jones is the only one that got big money, and so many of these guys with recognizable names, one-year and two-year deals that don't pay very much at all. That, that's not atypical, but this year it's even more pronounced. These guys that, that we love to have on our fantasy teams and we pay attention to their yardage and their touchdowns every week, Once they become free agents, teams look elsewhere to replace them. All right, let's take a break. More free agency news as we continue this Monday edition of PFTPM right after this. How you doing, man? Please, please don't pull this contract from me. Please. Please, you still got a couple days. Hold on, let me see it. All right, here you go. Hurry up and sign it. Practice squad, yep. Practice squad, yes. I wonder if Gronk read that contract. I, I look. I, it was reported as one year, ten million. It's one year, eight million. So much fluff this time of year. But uh, I, I, I'm surprised he got that much money, even eight million. I'm surprised he got that from the yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers because it just feels like he's past that 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 phase of his career. Um, the uh, the Buccaneers would presumably like to have Antonio Brown back. Interesting development, and this was kind of buried last week. John Clayton, who used to work for ESPN, is with ESPN 710 now, lives in Seattle. Uh, He said that Russell Wilson is politicking again for the Seattle Seahawks to sign Antonio Brown. This isn't new, but the difference is Antonio Brown remains available to anyone who wants him. And the thing that is new is this tug of war between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. How much input are they going to give him in personnel This is a good litmus test to see whether or not Russell has any sway. If they sign Antonio Brown, the message is that he does, Shireen. Well, you know what, Mike? You said the Buccaneers presumably want A.B. back. I'm not sure that's true. Tom Brady probably wants A.B. back, right? I think he's been working out with Tom Brady and Tom Brady's trainer. We know their relationship. So I would be willing to bet that Tom Brady's going to bat for A.B. and says... I want this guy back. Do not let him go to Seattle. And A.B., I alluded to this on Instagram, said me and playoff Lenny going to work this out. So he seems to think that he's going back to Tampa too. But you're right. Russell Wilson has said he wants to be more involved in personnel. This is the litmus test to see if they're going to let him be involved in personnel. And he, he tweeted out in the last couple of days after Chris Carson re-signed about what a good signing that was. And he went in and went to bat for Chris Carson. So he got Chris Carson. We'll see if he can get A.B. if he really wants A.B. We mentioned Sammy Watkins briefly. He's going to meet with the Ravens tomorrow. This is a guy who is capable of being a very good receiver. He's just not capable of staying healthy on a consistent basis, which is a fairly important ingredient. Same concern that we have with Deshaun Jackson, who played in, I think, what, 
eight games over a two-year period, if that many. So Sammy Watkins, who, hey, there he, there he was making the big catch in uh, Super Bowl 54 over Richard Sherman, which helped this, the Chiefs win that game. But uh, Watkins needs to show that he can stay healthy. If he can, he can still be a very good receiver. The concern about any free agent receiver with Baltimore is they're just not going to see the football very much. Shereen, you have to accept that going in. Yeah, their wideouts, Mike, last season were last in the NFL in catches and yards, and, of course, they were last in passing yards. So this is the offense that doesn't do much passing. So you have to be a little leery of that if you're a receiver. Connection to Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the Ravens. Sammy Watkins was in Buffalo with Roman, and Roman has gotten a little more heat for this idea that the Ravens' offense isn't what it can be because it's undeniable that Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback. Is Roman doing enough to draw out the passing game? And could a guy like Sammy Watkins help make a difference? Larry Fitzgerald has made a difference for the Cardinals for nearly 20 years. They still don't know what he's going to do in 2021. Steve Kime, the GM, told reporters that we've texted a few times, but nothing to the extent of his intentions. Well, once the Cardinals signed A.J. Green, I think as a practical matter, that made it difficult for Larry Fitzgerald to have a spot there. Because where is Fitzgerald now? Number three, number four on the depth chart. And if you're four, typically you play special teams, although I could see the the Cardinals dressing four receivers that aren't involved in special teams and get that help elsewhere on game day. But, you know, Shereen, I I, I think that, that right now uh, the only explanation is Fitzgerald is, is asking himself whether he wants to try to play for a team that's a Super Bowl contender, and he doesn't have to make that decision anytime soon. I've said that all along, Mike. I think he just needs to wait this out, see where teams are, maybe even into the season, and then pick your team where you want to go to finish your career. Career lows last season for Larry Fitzgerald. But I think, personally, he's better than A.J. Green with where he is. I know he's older, but if I'm the Cardinals, I would have preferred to have, if I had to make a choice, Larry Fitzgerald over A.J. Green. All right, let's take a break. we got some questions to answer, and we'll get through as many of them as we can when we wrap up this Monday edition of PFTPM right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 50 years ago today, the New England Patriots became the New England Patriots. I assume before that they were simply the Boston Patriots. I'm surprised they were the Boston Patriots for that long. But uh, they were the Boston Patriots all the way up until the merger. Then became the New England Patriots, a broader footprint to draw in more fans for a team that frankly stunk. So if you call it New England, maybe more people in the region take interest and decide to come to the games and pay attention to the team. It, it helps that about 30 years after that, they became a team that everyone would like to pay attention to because they finally became a great team. That leads into the first question today from I Go 10. Are the Patriots done this offseason, or does Bill Belichick have one more move up his sleeve? Jimmy G, perhaps. Shereen, what's your instinct tell you? Are they done, or do they have more moves? I think if they could get Jimmy G, that would be the one move that Bill Belichick would love to do, right? And I think he would like to have Jimmy G as his quarterback. But at this point, it doesn't look like the 49ers are ready to move Jimmy G. Maybe at some point this offseason they will, perhaps after the draft. Maybe not. I mean, we know what John Lynch has said. As you pointed out, GMs lie or at least tell the truth as they see it at the time. But we'll see what Jimmy G's future is. But I would see that, Mike, as probably the one move they would have left in them that would open some eyes if, if they're able to, to make that move. I think that, that they may be waiting for Marcus Mariota to be cut by the Las Vegas Raiders. They won't trade for him. They're not going to take on a $10 million salary. And if Jimmy or if, if Marcus Mariota, excuse me, is going to take less money, Jimmy G may have to too. But if Mariota is going to take less money, may as well just get cut and go pick his next team without anyone having to give up assets to get him. But Mariota and Cam Newton would be an intriguing combination in New England. Garoppolo, I I just don't know what the 49ers are going to do. I still think Sam Darnold is in play there. That's not something that potentially would happen until after the draft. But we saw there was interest in Mitchell Trubisky. He ends up going to Buffalo on a one-year, $2.5 million deal. So there must not have been much interest in Trubisky in San Francisco and no interest in him as a potential starter. I just think that if the 49ers get the guy that they want, dollar for dollar upgrade over Garoppolo, that's when Garoppolo will be out. And I still think they'll cut him because no one's going to trade for $25 million a year salary. And beyond quarterback, I don't rule out some sort of a move and, and additional moves by the Patriots. This is when I thought they would start making their moves. There are still some big name players out there that they could go out and try to attract recognizable names, talented guys that as they are on the market longer and longer, Shireen, those guys are going to have reduced expectations and Bill Belichick may able to get, be able to get them for a lot cheaper than he ever would have dreamed. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to go play at new England with what they've done this off season, thinking that Bill Belichick can get it done again. Right. I mean, I know some players are hesitant to go play for Bill Belichick, but heck, you look at his record. Why wouldn't you go there? You think he has a chance to turn it around and be a Super Bowl champion again. So absolutely, they could make some more moves as some of these guys' salary demands come down. They would never take back Antonio Brown, but hey, Leonard Fournette, (laughs) wouldn't that be something if the Patriots pluck him away from the Buccaneers? And, you know, he's not going to be an every down back, and that's not what the Patriots do, but at a reasonable salary, he could be part of the rotation up there, and that would make for plenty of intrigue this season. One more real quick. A Sid So Epic, I think, is the Twitter handle. Not entirely sure. Bears fans and the rest of the NFL are currently clowning the team for signing Andy Dalton. If you were the GM, Shireen, what move would you have made at quarterback? 
Well, they didn't make it. It couldn't get Russell Wilson. We know that. And that's the move you would hope if you're the Bears you're able to make. But they weren't able to move that. Had to get the bridge quarterback. Personally, I would have re-signed Mitchell Trubisky. I think he's a better quarterback right now than Andy Dalton is. But obviously, they didn't want him back. You're not going to sell him to Bears fans. So they got Andy Dalton. He'll be their one-year quarterback. I don't think they tried hard enough to get Russell Wilson. And I don't know who leaked last week to Dan Patrick, the three first-round picks, third-round pick, and two starters. That's not going to get Russell Wilson. You, you've really got to back up the truck of picks and players, Khalil Mack, et cetera, if you want to get Russell Wilson. And if you get Russell Wilson and he wants to be there and he understands it's going to take some time to rebuild, then you got him for 10 years and he's going to be happy and you run the offense through him. And I think that's what I would have done if it was up to me and Bears fans everywhere should be happy that I'm not running the show. That's it for this show. See you tomorrow. Have a great evening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.